Good evening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And today we have a fantastic guest. We have had a previous guest speaking previously on the Divine Feminine. We have yet another guest that's going to be sharing with us her perspective on this topic. I'd also like to remind you we're on Facebook. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. And our guest today is Andrea Maynard. And in just a moment, she is going to tell us all about what she is up to. And she works in the realm of the sacred feminine. And i um, very, very excited to share all of this. This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And Daniel Hogan is in the studio. We'll be right back with Andrea Maynard. At Golden Valley. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And today our guest is Andrea Maynard. Hi, Andrea. Hello, Carol. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for being our guest here on Heartstock. Can you give our listeners just a little intro here? What it is that you do? Well, good question. By trade, I'm an actor and a singer-songwriter and a speaker. That's about my trade. But um, these days, I've been more of a, a translator for these difficult times. And I like to say that I'm here to help women, men, and non-binary, gender-fluid people to name and reclaim and embody the qualities of the sacred feminine that live within each person. Because all of us have a sacred feminine and a sacred masculine, but, you know, in our world, we're burning ourselves out and driving ourselves to extinction because of this sacred masculine doing, doing, doing. So I'm here to help bring people into balance again through, as I see it, through the Indigenous lens. And where are you speaking with us from, Andrea? Um, I am calling you from the unseated uh, traditional territory of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Musqueam people in Vancouver, Canada. And I personally am a Métis woman from Treaty 1 territory in the homeland of the Métis. So hello, and welcome to be here, and I'm honoring where you are and the traditional people who have been the keepers of those lands. I'm honored to be here. So we always like to start out with your story. Are you from that area originally? Have you spent your whole no, life I'm, there? I'm, where Where are you from? I'm from Treaty One Territory in the homeland of the Métis in, in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, mm. Canada. And how has that kind of formed your life and your your path? This divine, sacred, feminine, and the indigenous mindset. I'm hoping that we can really share that with our listeners, how that might be different from some of our own upbringing and orientations. Yeah. um, Well, I would say that I, where I grew up, I moved around a lot. A lot of Macy people, we tend to be, (laughs) we've, uh, we've been traditionally nomadic because of our struggles with with um, homeland and lack of land or, or land being taken away. So there's that story. But um, 
for me, I would say that I was set up perfectly to see the imbalances of between the genders um, in the systems that exist between uh, different nations, whether you're from the white community or the indigenous community, or if you're two-spirited or not two-spirited or heteronormative. So there's been all of this, these experiences set up for me to notice the inequalities and the, and the ways that our world works for some and the world does not work for others. I was set up perfectly. I mean, there was violence uh, in my life, you know, or not in my life, well, in my life, but uh, violence all around me towards women. And so all of those things have helped me realize how these, uh, it made me ask the questions of how do these imbalances happen and why? And of course, I'm one of those people that doesn't want to be in a victim place place, (laughs) or having blame for what I see. I wanted to understand it so that I could be a part of the change. And so for me, from the Indigenous lens, when I look at the lens through the sacred feminine, I see uh, Indigenous people see everything as interconnected, all of life, all of life being our relatives and all of life being part of a circle. But if you look around you, you could say that the the systems that we're all engaged in and, and you could say enslaved to are very square, are very boxy, are very linear. And and this is a way of returning to the circle. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yes, but there's so much there that I'm hoping we can really dive into. M- myself having really longed longed for and studied and absorbed these ideas and concepts that I certainly was not raised with, but have integrated into my own life. I'm hoping that maybe there's some folks out there that may be hearing this for the very first time. Can you explain for all of us your Indigenous perspective and how it relates to the divine feminine, the sacred feminine, and why it's so important, especially in these times that we're living in. Yes, I would love to. For me, for people who've never heard this before, I say that the sacred feminine is one of the natural forces of life, as is the, nas- as is the sacred masculine. They are two parts of a whole. And that includes all of life. That includes all of life everywhere. It's not just humanity because this sacred feminine is not female and sacred masculine is not necessarily male. It can be, but every single human being has the aspects of them, like of those two aspects within themselves. So for instance, you could say when we are out doing things, when we are compelled to take action, that is our masculine nature. And, um, or, or, you could say some words like driven or determined or um, conquering or competing or or active, action or linear, systematic, system. Um, those, are, those are qualities of the sacred masculine and, and everybody has those within them. And you'll see the systems around you are kind of built on those, from those structures or those structures are built within uh, the masculine system, whereas the sacred feminine is, I would say, the less popular part of our lives. You could call that our emotional nature. 
They call it our nurturing, compassionate, inclusive, collaborative natures. And in a way, this could be referred to as the stillness where we have this action, action, action in the masculine. The sacred feminine could be that space within the womb, the quiet, the, the darkness, the, the place of, of, of listening, of receiving. So those would be the sacred feminine qualities. And every single human being has those as well. Now, you can see why, you know, there's been a great imbalance because all of the things that I mentioned in the sacred feminine realm have been devalued, have been sort of seen as less than sacred masculine, as though they are weaker, as though they are less valuable. But because of this imbalance, we have created chaos in the world. We are so busy doing and acting and action based and conquering that, and none of it has been tempered with the slowing down effect, with the nurturing aspect, with the collaborative aspect of the sacred feminine. So we've been doing these active practices so long that we're basically going to act ourselves right off or like do ourselves right off a cliff. (laughs) And of course we're in a pandemic and (laughs) And on the brink of a climate crisis. So we see the outcome of these Western patriarchal masculine ways of being. Whereas the indigenous people, you could call us, although again, everybody has both. But in a general terms, you could say that the indigenous people live more in a sacred feminine way of being. So that's why I use those terms because... Not everyone can say they're indigenous, but every single person can say they have a sacred feminine and a sacred masculine. So that includes every living being. And so you can't say, well, I'm not indigenous, so I don't believe that. (laughs) It's like, well, you have a heart and you have a nurturing nature and you have peers. Those are, that makes you one of the people who has sacred feminine natures. Does that help? Yes, indeed. And how about the indigenous perspective? And oh gosh, just I've thought about this so much the, the cultural clash. It seemed like there was such an opportunity for people in this country, in particular, because of the original peoples here, to become more imbalanced and to really understand some of what is at the core of this indigenous mindset of nurturing and cooperation. Can you help us understand how that can help us? Absolutely. I would say that this disease of colonization has affected the planet. And I don't know where it started. I don't know if, um, like I said, I don't know where, but I believe that every single culture on this planet has been colonized in some way. And the ones in Europe and the ones across the oceans have been touched by colonization and wounded by colonization for a lot longer. So even the ones who were trying to escape colonization brought that with them because they have their, when you run away from something, you bring it with you instead of um, healing from it. So a lot of the people that came to this land and now, of course, all the settlers, all the settlers that have created all the structures on this land are, are running from colonization and, and basically created it in a very violent way here. So what, when you come with that mindset 
to a place that is living, that it has a much more connected way of looking at the world without major structures, without systems that look like yours, without government systems or, or leadership systems that you recognize. You can't see, to you, you're looking through your colonized eyes that you can't see the incredible balance and the natural respect that it exists because it, you look through the eyes of colonization. You can't see the beauty. You can't see the wellness. You can't see the wholeness of that point of view. But what you can see is an entire continent that is healthy, that is living in balance with nature. So that should have been the answer. But of course, you can't see that through colonized eyes. So only on the brink of destruction are people beginning to wake up. And of course, Indigenous people have been trying to let people know to uh, stop this colonization process of how violent and how how unhealthy it is, how out of balance it is. As some of the elders say it's the backwards, you know, the Europeans and the ones who came here are the backwards people because they do everything upside down. Okay. Sorry, go on. You were going to ask something? Well, I was just kind of curious when you first were able to cognitively, emotionally, spiritually embrace this in your own life. And was there like an aha moment or was it just always there for you? No, I would say that I was colonized and doing my best to succeed within the structures that exist. I was in the music industry. I was in the film and television industry. And within those industries is the thinking that there's there's a place at the top that you need to <laughs> attain. I got to go there in order to succeed. I need to have these things. I need to be successful. I need to have money attached to it. So I was caught up in those systems as well. But I also have these teachings and I also have these this lineage that I'm not meant to stay there. I was never meant to stay there. But I like to say that there are all these indigenous Sorry, there are all these people and all these women and indigenous people who have been succeeding and thriving within the systems, you know, using their masculine nature to get there. But I would say that, you know, most of my friends and most of the people I know are having struggling. So it's like something stopped them in their tracks where they couldn't do that that way of life anymore they were burning themselves out or they were getting diseases or or brain aneurysms or brain strokes and all these things that just stopped us in our tracks I had an emotional breakdown um, and I couldn't do things the way I'd been doing it and so it's like I was forced to go I was forced to stop doing and succeeding in those worlds and go inward for a while and when I went inward is when I connected with the ancestors and I connected with that part of me and and to me, when we slow down, when we move into um, the sacred feminine realms of stillness and quiet is when we can get our guidance. Now, it's not like I wasn't meant to stop what I was doing. It just meant I had to do things in a different way. I had to start being accountable and start listening to the ancestors who had a lot more wisdom and lived through a lot more than I had. And then, and to be able to and live in a better way that I can affect the next generations coming after me. So we're going to take our midway point break here. And um, in just a moment, we will be back. And I'm hoping that we can d- delve into your sacred feminine lodge, which is the name of your enterprise. How does that sure. sound, Andrea? 
That sounds wonderful. Thanks. This is Heartstock, and in just a moment, we will be back with Andrea Maynard. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. This is Heartstock Radio, and today our guest is Andrea Maynard, and we're going to be talking all about her Enterprise Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Carol. What is the mission of Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge? The Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge was the place I needed to create. I needed to create a safe for people to come and you could say decolonize themselves you could say learn to walk gently on this planet a place where you could come and cry you know a place where emotional expression was valued a place where uh, nurturing the self and others is valued and of course those skills aren't necessarily taught in the outside world we have Lots of, you know, there's therapy, there's all these Western therapies, and that's great. But I know that people are craving for spiritual nourishment. And there's churches and there's, you know, all those things. But spiritual nourishment comes from the inside and comes from honoring uh, you. And honoring is is a deeply important Indigenous concept where we learn to honor our relatives, the the earth, our, the plants, the animals. We learn to honor um, other human beings and we learn to honor that which lives with inside of us, which means our emotions, which is our, our passion, our, our desires. You know, it's like we learn to honor all those things so that they're not living in shadows. So here at the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge, I've come up with a few courses that, that have helped people, that are helping people do that work. Yeah, does that make sense? Like I said earlier, we yes. you know we honor we honor and embody those sacred feminine qualities um, because we're so trained to live in our masculine selves that we almost have to unlearn those habits and and adopt new ones. So this is a place where they can do that. Is it virtual or are you actually physically gathering in a space? Well, uh, we were just beginning the, this is fairly new enterprise because like I said, my my main job was uh, is a speaker and singer and actor. So so um, I was just beginning to take these into live events when COVID hit. So um, I have been doing some of the courses virtual, matriarchs and training, which for, which is for indigenous women only, women and women identified women people only. Um, and then my Reclaiming the Four Goddesses has, has had a few. But my Lead Like a Goddess, I think it's going to be a live event only. I can't see, I just can't do it virtual. <laughs> and I have a few recorded 
um, um, audio recordings honoring your four sacred bodies, the courses that people can buy and take away. You know, so I have uh, uh, most of it's virtual at the moment, but hopefully someday soon it will be live again. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you are different? Because, um, you know, there are organizations and women-led groups that are working in the same space. And I'm just wondering how your perspective as an Indigenous woman, how you work with non-Indigenous others, how can we be effective? How can we increase what we all, well, not all of us, but many of us realize we need to move forward in a healthy way? Right. Okay. That's a great question. You know, I would like to honor the ones who are working in the, I guess, the non the non-Indigenous terms, they say sacred, or sorry, the divine feminine. I'd like to honor those people working in that field because I do believe that this is the time that it's, you know, as according to my elders, this is the time of the rise of the sacred feminine. It is a, a movement of us shifting, humanity shifting to a, a gentler, uh, a more compassionate species. And of course, it's time. We need to. We're being forced to because we're, we can't continue like this. So I'd like to honor what those, and, and, and it could be very similar work for all I know, because the work is the work. You know, if you're called to teach this work, it's valuable and needed for every human being. So I don't know how different it is, but that work. But I would say that from my perspective, what I offer working in the sacred feminine realm is that I see my work as part of a, a circle and all the parts of life that have been left out of the systems, which would be the feminine voice. So if you look at the Me Too movement, you know, that was a rise of women saying no more violence, no more. So the rise of women, that's coming home to the circle, the rise of indigenous people, our voices are finally being heard. You know, they're coming home to the circle. The voice of the black community, their voices are finally being heard. They're coming home. People of color, two-spirited, transgender, the queer community, they're coming home to the circle because they too have been left out. People with disabilities, people with extra abilities, you know, who have been also discriminated against and left out of the circle. They're coming home because their voice is being heard. But then you look at the voice of emotional expression is coming home. The voice of Mother Earth the environmental movement, that's rising and coming home to the circle in a valued way. And also the voice of the animals and the voice of nurturing men, the men who want to feel, the men who want to raise children, the men who want to lead in a heart-centered way. They are also coming home to the circle because they traditionally have not been allowed to either. So for me, I see the rise of the sacred feminine, meaning all parts that have been left out are coming home. It means inclusion. It means that everyone is welcome and everyone has a role to play. So I help people find their role, but I, I just can't help but speak from an Indigenous perspective and, and, you know, in this honoring. But it could be that we're all needing to honor the same things, you know. And so whether your language is through a non-Indigenous form or my my way of speaking. And then there's even more traditional people than me who don't even use those words, sacred, feminine, and masculine, right? But they could be doing the same work. So I would say that you, the people that come to me are interested in 
in not necessarily, they're interested in the language I use because I, I may not be for everyone, but I'm the one that people come to for my perspective, the way I look at the world. Yes, and we've seen some evidence recently. We were just talking about this, uh, the bodies that have been found at the yeah. the schools. And I don't yeah. know, it just seems and, and- like... Some folks are going to say, well, that's in the past, and why are we revisiting the past? Why do we need to take statues down of Confederate generals? And why is it so important that we recognize and embrace the past? And how will that help us for the future? Well, the training of the system has been so good at preventing people from actually seeing injustice. And I'm talking about our white settler community right now is that the system has been so effective in training you to know your place, which is in a higher position on the hierarchy because hierarchy is definitely of the masculine system. Um, it's, you've been trained so well, or no, we've all been trained so well to be obedient to our place in the hierarchy that when that is disrupted, it, it causes disbelief, it causes anger, it causes blame, it causes denial. But the truth is the system has been damaging to all human beings and all, and all life, all life, because, you know, Mother Earth is at the bottom somewhere. And indigenous women are at the very bottom. And so people of color and black communities and all those voices who have been left out who are so vocal right now, we've been vocal all along. But there is some, because it's the rise of the sacred feminine, like we're start, people are starting to see because the earth is in crisis, because we're in a pandemic and because all these things, this is part of the rise of the sacred feminine. And the systems have to be disrupted. They are brutal to the well-being of humanity. And even people who are at the top are starting to see, or even, okay, let's maybe not say the top top, but maybe the second tier are starting to go, whoa, this isn't, this isn't working. Yeah, this so is not working for now, us. So, yeah, so everybody, uh, so these, these atrocities are not happening in the past. They're happening now, today. Which is why, sure, you need to see mem- messages and mem- and things of the past. Like the only reason why we're getting news coverage for these unmarked grave of these children is because of the numbers: two hundred and fifteen, seven hundred and fifty-one, a hundred and four. And of course, we're going to keep finding these because we're up in the eight thousand. There's going to be eight thousand children found because we've known about it, but the rest of the world has not. So, I guess for me is that we are in a time where people have to do the work to take the blinders off. And it's, it's difficult work. It is, I mean, all people have to take their blinders off. Indigenous people, women. Okay. Let's just start with women. There's half of half of us on the planet. Women have been quiet about the violence and, and quiet and secretive and protecting the perpetrators for generations and generations why because we have been taught to so that's changing and all of a sudden like the system is now recognizing that we can change the system and so for indigenous people in the black community i can't speak for others but for us i know that for us we've had our warriors and we've had those in 
in who trained in in the systems of of the white man, as you could say, you know, they trained so that they could learn the language and start fighting in the courts and fighting in. But general in general now, Indigenous people are recognizing that we have the power to change what's happening. Mm-hmm. But we all we're all recognizing that, and we can't do it alone. Yeah. We all have to do the deprogramming of this systemic way of being, which means somebody's at the top and a whole bunch of others are at the bottom because we're, we don't live in a hierarchy. We live in a circle and everyone is welcome in the circle and we all have to recognize and honor each other's existence. How might our listeners find you, Andrea, to continue on the conversation order or if they want to learn more? Well, I have a website that's andreamenard.com and I have my Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge um, dot com website and I'm on all social medias and I have a TED talk called Silent No More Using Your Voice to End Violence Against Women Thank you so much for being our guest and sharing the work that you're doing Andrea I really appreciate it Well I'm really happy to be here Carol and I hope your listeners enjoyed today Indeed This is Heartstock Radio As usual we will be back next week Peace Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Butte America Radio.